to worship this morning is in just the opening line of Psalm 48. Psalm says, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And so we're going to worship God together, uh, singing to him some verses from Psalm 48, uh, the opening verse, and then the verses Mark 7 to 10, Psalm 48, verse 1. And then 7 to 10, we'll be singing these to the tune 123. Some may want to follow that. Great is the Lord, and greatly he is to be praised by all. Within the city of our God, his holy mountain tall. Psalm 48, 1 and 7 to 10, let's sing God's praise. Great is the Lord, and greatly he is to be praised by all. Within the city of our God, his holy mountain tall. Within your temple, God, we thought God's grace does waste. Oh God, just like your wondrous name, through all the years your praise. Your right hands full of righteousness, let your joy be great. Let Judah's daughters joyfully your judgments celebrate. Round Zion walk and counter tars, her palaces do well, and not her ramparts May sons and daughters tell, because this God will be our God to all eternity. Yes, even he himself to death, our constant guide will be. Well, I'll lead us in a word of prayer. Let's uh, pray together. I pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your day. We rejoice in the great and mighty God that you are, the God who's ruling over all the nations of the earth, the God who's in charge of all the little moments of our lives. You're the God who has gathered us together today online to worship you. We rejoice that you're a God who's not far off, we rejoice that you're the God who sent into this world your unique Son, Jesus Christ, so that sinners like us could know you and be known by you as we trust in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. We thank you for your gracious ways. We thank you how different, mighty God, uh, biblical Christianity is from every other religion of the world, that you deal with sinners in grace, not in our performance. Oh, we thank you for your great grace shown in the finished work of the cross of Jesus Christ. And it is in his name that we come to bring you our worship. We rejoice in your mercy. 
We rejoice in the vastness of your love for us. We rejoice that you're the holy God, all that you're doing filled with your perfect purity. We rejoice, mighty God, that you are just and righteous and true. We rejoice that you're the God who is full of kindness and mercy for sinners like us. And we pray that you would help us as we worship you today, although gathered in this way, yet individually and in families in our homes. We thank you that your word is not bound and chained. And we thank you that you're the God who is everywhere present with his people. We acknowledge that you're the God who knows us and sees us. You know our hearts today as we gather to worship you. We confess our sins, which are not hidden from you, but known to you so well. Forgive us, mighty God, that our thoughts of you have been little and our thoughts of ourselves too big. We pray that you would grant us grace to rebalance those things in our lives, that our thoughts of you might be great and extensive and our thoughts of ourselves as little. And yet, in knowing you, that we might know that we're so truly and deeply loved. We pray that you bless all who have gathered now to, to join in this time of worship and those who will listen later on. We pray that our hearts will be drawn to you and that we would know more and more of your greatness. For we ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. If you have a Bible to hand or simply want to listen as I read it for us, we have been looking at some verses in the book of Isaiah. And this morning we're going to be reading in Isaiah chapter 50, reading from verse 4 and then reading on into chapter 51 and verse 3. Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 4 and then reading on into chapter 51. And verse 3. Let's hear God's word together. The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught that I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. Morning by morning he awakens, he awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. The Lord God has opened my ear and I was not rebellious. I turned not backward. I give my back to those who strike and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. But the Lord God helps me. Therefore I have not been disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like flint and I know that I shall not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us stand up together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near to me. Behold, the Lord God helps me. Who will declare me guilty? Behold, all of them will wear out like a garment. The moth will eat them up. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the voice of his servant? Let him who walks in darkness and has no light trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. Behold, all... You who kindle a fire, who equip yourselves with burning torches, walk by the light of your fire and by the torches that you have kindled. This you have from my hand. You shall lie down in torment. Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, you who seek the Lord, 
Look to the rock from which you were hewn and to the quarry from which you were dug. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah who bore you. For he was but one when I called him, that I might bless him and multiply him. For the Lord comforts Zion. He comforts all her waste places and makes her wilderness like Eden, her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her, thanksgiving in the voice of song. Well, for a little while today, I want to direct your, your thoughts just to a couple of verses from this 50th chapter. I've entitled this, uh, The Sustainer of the Weary. When we've been looking at this book of Isaiah and some wonderful sentences from it, we've been reminding ourselves that the work of Isaiah was in and around the 8th century BC. And he was given a task by God to, to speak to God's people in those days. They had not been following God as they should have. They had turned to the idols around about them. And God was going to discipline his people for that. They were to be sent off into the land of Babylon, into exile. And a new strange normal was about to dawn and to settle on their lives. And so a great deal of Isaiah's ministry, he had been speaking and warning about the judgment of God. But as his ministry continued and as God had spoken of judgment, he then guided Isaiah to speak increasingly words of mercy and words of comfort. And that's what we've been seeing, particularly in this latter part of Isaiah and some of these wonderful verses, a great message of comfort for God's people. And we've seen increasingly too that those messages of comfort were words of comfort that were particularly focused around someone who was to come from Isaiah's perspective and time. And that someone was the Lord Jesus Christ. In the latter part of Isaiah, we have a number of passages that are called servant songs, words of prophecy that Isaiah was speaking about the coming Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the verses that we're going to hone in on today are part of the, the third servant song, part of a, a, a statement about the ministry of Jesus Christ. And in this, uh, the particular verses four and five that we look at today, we're going to see one dimension of the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, the ministry that Isaiah was pointing to, the ministry that we can now look back on in the gospel, and the ministry that we can now know in our lives. This is the servant of the Lord speaking now in verse 4. Ultimately, Jesus Christ, that he's saying, The Lord has given me the tongue of those who are taught, that I may know how to sustain with the word him who is weary. Morning by morning he awakens. He awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. The Lord has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious. I turned not backward. So these were words of comfort and counsel that Isaiah was given to, to speak of Jesus Christ and words that Jesus Christ knew that 
uh, would, were fulfilled in his life. And there are two big things I want to direct our, our thoughts to today as we think of these sentences, four and five, a little more. And I'll be bringing to you a, a whole host of different verses of the Bible today. I don't expect you to go looking them up. Just listen to them as we look at two big things in these few verses. First of all, speaking of the Lord Jesus, he is equipped to sustain you. He is equipped to sustain you. Any honest reading of the gospel surely brings men and women to the conclusion of having to be impressed by Jesus Christ. That ought to be the response of our hearts. How impressive he was. Think of the miracles that he did. Healing the sick, raising the dead. Obviously no mere man. Reading on the Gospels, you will find Jesus Christ willingly going to the cross. In fact, he would, at one stage in his journey, pick up a little phrase from verse 7 of this. And it says that he, would, he had set, or the writer rather, the gospel picks up a little phrase to say that Jesus Christ set his face like flint, determined to go to Jerusalem to die. Going he knew to take the place of sinners, to die in their stead, to endure the holy wrath of God, that there might be pardon for all who believe. And every reader should be blown away by the measure of the sacrificial love of Jesus Christ. Everyone also, if they were truly honest and had eyes to see and ears to hear, should also be impressed by his amazing words. His words that spoke about who he was and his words that spoke of the mission that he had come to accomplish to lay down his life as a ransom for many. Certainly the people who were around when Jesus Christ was on earth, many of them were impressed. For example, in Mark chapter 1 and verse 22, when Jesus Christ had preached in the Jewish synagogue in Capernaum, we read, they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. The scribes were the most boring preachers you could ever have heard of. Their sermons were basically, basically followed the usual mantra, Rabbi such and such, such and such said this, and Rabbi such and such said this, and Rabbi what do you call him, he said this. But when they heard Jesus Christ speak, they were astonished how he spoke with authority and not as the scribes. And that was not just one-off astonishment at his words. In Mark 6, when Jesus preached and spoke in the synagogue in Nazareth, we read in Mark 6 too, many who heard him were astonished. Where did this man get these things? What is this wisdom given to him? His words were so impressive. In John chapter 7 and verse 46, the religious leaders of the day had sent a, a, a mob of police officers to, to arrest Jesus Christ and they had to abort their mission. And they came back to the religious rulers and they reported to them, 
reported to the hierarchy, no one ever spoke like this man. So everyone who heard him had to confess the amazing words that he spoke. Our text in Isaiah this morning, so wonderfully true. He had the tongue of those who are taught. And by that, uh, this prophecy was saying that when it came to communication, when it came to his speech, he was the expert par excellence. He was in a league ultimately of his own. No one spake as this man. And Isaiah is telling us before it happens. In fact, it's Jesus Christ telling us here before it happens how he would speak and how he would come to speak as he spoke. How did he speak like this? Well, look at our verse. Look what he says. The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught. That's how he spoke as he spoke. That's why his words are so powerful and winsome and wooing and winning. The Lord God, he said, has given me the tongue of those who are taught. In Luke chapter 4 and verse 18 and 19, the Lord Jesus, quoting from Isaiah 61 and verse 1, said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. You see, Jesus Christ knew how he spoke in the way that he spoke. He spoke because the Spirit of the Lord had been upon him and was upon him. That's how he knew how to speak so appropriately, perfectly and powerfully. And when he spoke that day in the synagogue in Nazareth, the response of the people again in Luke 4.22, all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words coming out of his mouth. Everybody could see that the word who had come from heaven, that the, word, that the words of the word were wonderful words. And the Lord Jesus, when he was upon earth, was aware of this prophecy of Isaiah, that the Father would equip him by the Holy Spirit to speak, pronounce, and give such powerful words. And he would have been praying throughout his life upon this earth, that what was prophesied here by Isaiah, the Lord giving to him the tongue of those who were taught. He was praying in his earthly life that what was prophesied would be the reality. And his father heard him. So he could say, the Lord has given me the tongue of those who are taught. Look at the teacher that he had. The Lord God, he said, has given me the tongue of those who are taught. It's a title that Isaiah uses for God. We've seen it a number of times. In fact, in this chapter, he'll use it in verse 4, verse 5, verse 6, and verse 9. The covenant God, the one of might and power, equipped his servant so perfectly 
in every way for his life of laying down his life as a ransom for many, including the very words that he says. So when Jesus Christ was upon this earth, he bore testimony himself to this teaching that he had from his father. For example, in John chapter 8 and 28, he said, I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And we know from this prophecy exactly how Jesus was taught in his earthly ministry for the great work that the Father had given him to do. Look what it says. The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught that I may know how to sustain with the word him who is weary. Morning by morning, he awakens. He awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. You see, before he was the teacher par excellence, Jesus was also the student par excellence. We read in Luke chapter 2 and verse 52 of his earthly life that Jesus increased in wisdom and stature. Thirty years of living, loving, and learning, morning by morning. So it's no great surprise that we read in the gospel in Mark 1 and verse 35, these words about Jesus. Rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went to a desolate place, and there he prayed. To pray for all the promises that he knew from the word that his father had given to him. Can you imagine the intimacy, the depth of those teaching times? When in his human nature, he's being taught by his father, by the word that his spirit had already breathed out. Him rehearsing to his father the treasures that he has found in the revealed word of God, the scriptures of the Old Testament. Can you imagine him talking to his father about them? He's been reading in the opening chapters of Genesis about the, the seed of the woman who had crushed the head of the serpent, and in doing so, his heel would be bruised. And his father saying to him, my son, that's you. And him saying, father, yes, and I will do it all. Can you imagine him and he's speaking to his father about all the, the hosts of the, the sacrifices of the Old Testament and the lamb without blemish. And his father saying, my son, that's the work that I have for you that has been the counsel of the Godhead from all eternity. And the son saying, yes, father, and I will do it all. Can you imagine him speaking to his father of all the great works of the prophets and proclaiming the word of God and his father saying to him, and yes, my son, that's you, the great prophet. And him saying, yes, father, 
and all that you say, I will say. Can you imagine him speaking to his father about all the work of the high priests? And his father saying to him, And my son, you are the great high priest, and you lay down your life. And him saying, Yes, Father, I'll do it all. Can you imagine him with this very prophecy open or reverberating in his mind as he speaks to his father and I'm reading about his cheeks and his beard being pulled and his face being smitten? Imagine him speaking to his father of chapter 53 of this book about, about the one who go and lay down his life in the place of others and him his father saying, this is you, my son. And him saying so willingly, yes, father, all that you have and all that you've said, I will do. In verse 5, we read, he says, the Lord God has opened my ear. And I was not rebellious. I, I heard it all. My, my ear was open to it all. I wasn't like Israel of old. I, I was the the willing hearer, the willing responder. Yes, Father, all that you said is true and I will do. Oh, Jesus Christ was wonderfully equipped for his own work and for the work of speaking into our lives and the work of laying down his life for sinners like you and me. Fellow Christian this morning, if you desire to be useful to God in your life, well, could your path of life of usefulness be any different from the path of Jesus Christ, taught morning by morning from the scriptures, all that he should say and all that he should do? As a child of God, your ear is no longer plugged He's opened your ear that you might hear and walk in his way. Our Savior Jesus Christ was prepared to be our prophet, priest, and king by the word and the spirit. And that's how all who are united to Christ by faith are prepared for our life's work. By his word and by his spirit. Equipped to sustain you. But secondly, in our verses this morning, we see that he's ready to sustain you. Here is this great expert. And if we wanted, if we wanted an expert for any situation in our lives, maybe we were unwell physically and we went to see the consultants and uh, we knew they were a great expert. What are the right words to say and the right actions to carry out? We would want to know, well, were they ready to help us? Well, listen. The Lord God, says Jesus Christ, has given me the tongue of those who are taught that I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. Did you hear who he sustains? He sustains with a word, him who is weary. The word means simply fatigued, exhausted. It's not an encouragement that Jesus Christ knows 
how to sustain with a word him who is weary. And the people of God, Christians can feel weary, can't we? We know we're pardoned. We know we're bound for heaven. But there can still be weariness that comes in our lives. We have a, a long-standing trial, maybe in our health, maybe in some family circumstance that seems uh, just to be going on and on. Maybe the daily challenges of old age, that they can leave weary. The fluctuations that some can have in physical or, or mental health, it can leave us weary. Facing a situation that we have no control over its outcome, weary. Sometimes carrying a burden from our, our past that we've been ever, never been able thus far to leave behind, it can leave us weary. Do you know, Christian, this morning, that your weariness draws the tender heart of Jesus Christ? We read of him in the Gospels that when he saw people in their weariness, he was stirred with compassion. And the word for compassion is often that word that meant his deep inner bodily parts. He had a stomach ache, as it were for those who are weary, and he has not changed, now glorified. And he says to you, weary Christian, our Father equipped me to sustain you with a word. And what wise, wonderful words he has. Are you weary this morning of the new coronavirus world he says God is our refuge and our strength are some of you weary and isolating and struggling with that he says I will never leave you are you some of you weary with shattered plans unfulfilled dreams he says all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Are you weary? Your job prospects crumbling? He says, my God shall supply all your needs. And people who are not yet Christians, they can be weary. Some with a sense of their sin as God begins to awaken them can be overcome by a weariness of their guilt. And Jesus Christ, the one who is perfectly taught and is the tongue of those who are taught, knows how to sustain with a word. And he says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Other people who are not yet, yet Christians can be weary and though not realizing uh, that their weariness is the weariness that is rooted to the sin that has come into the world, they can be wearied by loneliness and disappointment and circumstances. And Jesus Christ, he knows how to sustain with the word those who are weary as they come to him in faith. And what God has done in the Gospels is to give us a portfolio 
of his words to the weary to stir you this morning if you're listening to this address to stir you if you're not yet a Christian to go to him for pardon we read in John 4 for example let me give you some of these examples where he had the tongue of those who are taught the perfect words to say to sustain the weary in John 4 a woman he met a woman one day by a well and she was weary she didn't know the fullness and the reason for it. Her life was filled with the, the weary of dissatisfaction. She had flitted from one relationship to the next, and a, a weariness had pervaded her life. And Jesus pointed out her sinful past to her, showed to her her thirst, and he said to her, Whoever drinks the water that I will give will never thirst again. Oh, what words for the weary! He met in John 3 a, a religious man one day who was, who was uh, uh, filled with all his own ideas about how to be right with God. And Jesus Christ had the perfect words for him and said to him, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. In John chapter 6, a crowd of men and women from all sorts of situations, were following him one day, primarily because they'd, they'd witnessed him provide food. And the one who was taught by his father and had the tongue of those who were taught knew how to speak to these weary people who lived their life on the horizontal. And he said to them, don't work for food that perishes, but for the food that endures to everlasting life. In Luke chapter 11, we read in the Gospels of this wonderful portfolio of the tongue of him who was the tongue of one who'd been taught from heaven and had come from heaven. He spoke to some grieving women. Such wise, perfect words. They'd lost their brother. And he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And whoever believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? In Mark chapter 4 and verse 40, he had perfect words to sustain people who'd been caught in the most frightening storm. And he said, why are you so afraid? In Luke chapter 23 and verse 32, a, a young believer one day had spoken to him so full of his own, his own strength for every situation in life and the Lord Jesus knew he was heading for a great fall. Oh, but he had words. The words that were perfect and right and sustaining. And he said to the young man, I've prayed for you that you won't that's that you won't uh, faint and that you'll not fail that you'll be restored in john chapter 14 he he spoke to men anxious about their futures he looked into their eyes surely and said uh, let not your hearts be troubled you believe in god believe also in me he, he spoke to a, a crowd one day, a vast crowd, in all of their weariness. And he surely opened his arms and said, Come to me, all you are weary, and I will give you rest. And the Lord Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
he sustains with a word those who are weary. Christian, haven't you found that? You came to church some Lord's Day morning and the words spoken that day or read or sung, it was as the voice of heaven. It was his voice. It was the voice of the one who had the tongue of those who are taught, the voice of Jesus Christ. You opened your Bible early one morning before you went to work and it was his voice for the situation of the day, sustenance for the weary. A Christian sent you a text or a card and there was a little verse and it was the voice of the one who'd been taught to sustain the weary. If someone listens and they're not yet a Christian, you need to know that the Lord Jesus has the word for you. The word you're to listen to is his word and not the word of the world. His word says that there is none righteous, no, not even one, that you have no way of yourself to be right with God, that you deserve everlasting hell. But his word says that he's the way, the truth, and the life, and that all who believe in him shall find pardon and everlasting life. Oh, how willingly he went to die. He knew the words of verse 6 in this chapter. I gave my back to those who strike, my cheek to, cheeks to those who pull out my beard, and willingly he went undeterred. Oh, greater love has no one than this, than he lays down his life for his friends. And he says his, his word to you today is, Seek the Lord while he may be found, Call on him while he is near. Oh, what a wonderful person Jesus Christ is. He has the tongue of those who are taught and knows how to sustain with a word him who is weary. And we say to him, thank you, Jesus Christ, for sustaining us in these Lord's days as we've looked at these wonderful promises. We say to him, Lord Jesus, we've known your sustaining word to our weary hearts. He'll tend his flock like a shepherd. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. He gives power to the faint. They who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. He will keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Fear not then with you. A bruised reed he'll not break, a smoking flax he'll not quench. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. I will not forget you. And we say today, oh, indeed, he has the tongue of those who are taught, and he knows how to sustain with a word him who is weary. Amen. We sing praise as we conclude our time of worship from Psalm 91. Psalm 91. Uh, the A setting of this psalm, and we're seeing the opening four verses. The words are uh, there on your screen for you if you don't have them to hand. We sing unto the tune 39. The man who in the sheltered place of the most high dwells by his grace will with almighty God abide and in his shadow safely hide. Maybe one A, one to four, we worship God. Grace. 
today, the word of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray that our ears will ever be open to his word, and we know him refreshing us day by day. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of God, the Holy Spirit, be with Christ's church now and forevermore. Amen.